Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. God, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your truth that sets us free. Today, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. And we ask, dear God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. Father, help us not only to hear, but to respond in faith, to respond in obedience. Be glorified in us. We give you all praise and we give you all glory. In Jesus' good name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so this week, we are continuing on in our What or Wisdom Cries Out series. We established over the last few weeks that wisdom is always crying out at all times, all day and night, um, in every place that you are, offering us the way of life that God desires for us. Amen? That's what wisdom is doing. Wisdom is offering us the book of Proverbs is filled with the principles of God, the wisdom of God. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to discuss the key element to attaining and maintaining the wisdom of God as the governing agent in our lives. And if we remember, for those of you that were here, the first week that we began to deal with this as we looked at what is important for the study of the book of Proverbs is that we don't only get stuck in the principles and the practical applications, but that we also look at who? Jesus that we make sure that we understand that what do we find in the New Testament? That Jesus is the wisdom of God. Amen? And so Jesus being the wisdom of God, we want Jesus to be the governing agent in our lives. How, how, how many amens do I get on that? We want Jesus to be the one that is leading us, Jesus to be the one that is guiding us in everything that we do. And so when we look at the book of Proverbs, we can hear the cry of Jesus crying out to us, leading us and guiding us and telling us exactly what it is that he wills for our lives and what he wants us to do. And so this verse, if you remember, in the introduction, we dealt with the fear of the Lord being the key to opening up all of the Proverbs. The, the key to this entire book was found in the fear of the Lord, and I told you that we would talk about that in and so today, we're going to deal with the topic that is entitled Fear Factor. The reason for that is because y'all are familiar with the show, right? Fear Factor is an older show. It's not, you know, anything new. But the whole point of the show was for what? For you to face your fears, amen? For you to deal with those fears, but it, it, because fear is a factor in our lives. And so we want to deal with that. And so here's the reality. In the times that we live, fear is gripping the hearts of people all over the world. You look at situations this morning, for those of you that were in prayer, we were talking about my wife's cousin and, and her husband. Her husband, who we began praying for nine months ago, he had a stroke. And he's never fully recovered from the stroke. He started going to rehab. And then suddenly, in the midst of going to rehab, things began to happen. Right now, his lungs are at a place where the body bottom of his lungs are not getting enough air and so they took him from you know going to the hospital with like so many infections in the last nine months and they decided you know what we're going to leave him in God's hands and we're going to hospice pretty intense, right? Fearful, like what's going to happen to dad for his sons that are there? What's going to happen to my husband for his wife? There's fear that grips our hearts, but we don't control that, do we? We can't control the outcome of situations. You look at our, our, our financial situations. I mean, people are all worried about Social Security. Hallelujah. The stock market. We're fearful of these things. What's going to happen? When I retire, is there going to be enough money there for me? And all of these different areas that we fear. We have rumors of wars and wars. All of these different things that we fear. And the fact is that we can control the outcome of none of these things. We can't control Social Security. We can't control sickness. One, A good friend of mine, his wife was, everything she ate was organic. Hallelujah. Because I know we have some healthy folk up in here. Amen. You know, eating organic so that way she's not, she made she didn't eat anything with any of those preservatives and all that is different stuff. You know, all that stuff you read about that we're afraid of, that we love so much. All that stuff that's bad for us, right? So she wasn't participating in any of that. And guess what? She went to the doctor, diagnosed with cancer. What did she do wrong? She feared God. Listen, she intercedes more than me times three. Woman of prayer, woman on her face before God, seeking the Lord. She can't control that. 
We cannot control those things. And here's what the Bible teaches us. If you look in your Bible, and we're going to turn there, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 10. And I want you to see some stuff. We're going to come back to the book of Proverbs because we got a few scriptures to go through. But Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 tells us something. And also, you can hold your place there once you have Matthew chapter um, 10 and verse 28 because I want you to skip quickly after we read that verse to the book of Luke chapter 12. So Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, when you got that, say so. All right, now hold your place there. Turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 12. These are two scriptures. Remember, these are synoptic gospels, meaning that they contain a lot of the same information. Same stories are in there. And so looking back at the book of Matthew, chapter, chapter 10 and verse 28, this is Jesus speaking. He's giving instructions, and he says something very powerful, almost as powerful as that food that you just smelled, right? It just hits you, like... I was like, okay, I'm ready to preach. I mean, pray. Amen. We're going we're gonna to pray and dismiss service. That's some bad stuff right there, Gloria. I'm just kidding. I'm not, see, it just calls us like that. So anyway, but what Jesus said is more powerful for your spirit. All right, so let's, let's clarify. And, verse 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him. Say, but rather fear him. Who was able to destroy, to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, I, I love Luke because Matthew says it in tense, but Luke like adds some umph to it, right? Look at chapter 12, verses 4 through 5 of the book of Luke. It says this. It says, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Amen. You see the emphasis? So what should we be, what, 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 what fear should grip our hearts? It is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord should grip our hearts. We can have a whole bunch of different things that we are concerned about. I'm not telling you that we are ever going to get to a place where we are not concerned about things, sickness, disease, where we're not concerned about retirement or different stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is the only fear that should grip your heart, the only fear that should grip my heart, it shouldn't be other people. It shouldn't be circumstances. It should be the fear of who God is. That should be the thing that the Bible teaches us should grip our hearts. So turn back to the book of, of, of Proverbs just so that way you're there. So when we start looking at different scriptures, you'll be there. But the book of Proverbs tells us this, and this scripture is very special to me because the night that I was transformed by the revelation of Jesus, this was one of the scriptures that God had used a couple of days prior to begin to prick my heart. And it was that, 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 um, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the reason why it struck my heart was because my mother read this scripture to me one day, and when she read it to me, it, it, it hit me because I realized I was a fool. I wasn't walking with Jesus. I was living my life the way that I wanted to live it. I was doing things the way that I wanted to do them. I wasn't trying to serve God. I wasn't trying to see God. I was trying to do things the way that I thought were best. And some of us, we've been raised in church, and we're still foolish. We don't want to hear what God has to say. We don't want to obey the, 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 the wisdom that God gives us. We don't want to do things the way that God wants us to do them. And yet the Bible says that the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of spiritual knowledge, you and I can have no true spiritual knowledge if it is not apart, if it's apart from the fear of the Lord. If it's apart from understanding who God is and his greatness. And we're going to define the fear of the Lord a little bit more clearly. But this is the reason why this question becomes so important. And I had a subtitle, which is, what are you afraid of? And it is that who or what we fear will clearly determine who or what we worship. Who or what we fear will clearly determine who or what we worship. I'll give you an example. And this is like a perverted um, way of worship. When we have problems in our life that are plaguing us, that are overwhelming us, you know what we find ourselves doing, all of us, and I'm guilty of this like anybody else is, is we begin to talk about our problem and our situation more than we talk about the promises of God's word. We talk about our situation. Well, a person offends us, right? And what do we talk about? When we get together, we get in a conversation with someone, and automatically that thing begins to rise up. And so what does that mean? If I'm always talking about something, that means in a perverted way I'm worshiping that thing. 
I'm worshiping that situation. And when I fear someone, what am I doing? I'm bowing to my fears. The whole show, fear factor, it was what? It was either you're going to bow to your fear or you're going to overcome your fear. And the only way that you overcome the fear of man, the fear of situation and circumstances, is when the fear of the Lord grips your heart, when the fear of the Lord grasps you. The first book that I read outside of the Bible when I first became a Christian was a book by John Bevere, and it's entitled The Fear of the Lord. And what John Bevere does is he makes an argument for how important the fear of the Lord is for us. And I will make this point later on, but none of us by nature, hear me when I say this, none of us by nature fear God. Our sinful nature is opposed to the fear of the Lord. Our sinful nature is opposed to reverence and honoring who God is. And so it all comes back to what? A worship issue. If I fear God, there's a, there are going to be other things that I may be afraid of. There may be other things that I go through. But there is one thing that is for sure, that my fear of the Lord leads my life, not my fear of other things. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat this after me is this. What is the fear of the Lord? Say, what is the fear of the Lord? Now, if you remember, I gave you a definition the first week when I was going through what the fear of the Lord was. It was a lengthy one, and I'm going to repeat it because I felt like it was helpful for us to understand this. And it is this, if we truly fear the Lord, we acknowledge from our hearts, not from our lips, this is what I'm trying to tell you, that by nature, we do not fear him. By nature, we'll say things like, I respect God. Pastor Chad was telling me about a conversation that he had with a friend of his, and that person told him, you know, I don't disrespect God, yet the person is living totally obstinate, totally opposite to what the scriptures teach in a lifestyle. And so he doesn't fear God. He doesn't honor God. He dishonors God continually. But out of his mouth, there is a part of him that says, well, I fear God. When I was in the world, I had a horrible, horrible mouth. I mean, I would curse at, I mean, I, it was just always cursing. It was crazy. I would be in the house. My mom was always rebuking me for the mouth that I had. It was bad. It was really bad. But the one thing that I wouldn't say, because I grew up in a religious home, I just wouldn't say GD. I would use every other curse word on the planet, but because I feared God. I'm not going to use that one. That's a perversion of, of, of what we would call the fear of the Lord. I may have a knowledge of God, and what I knew was God is going to get with me. I understood that. I understood that that was like the highest blasphemy, right, in my opinion. My opinion, anyway, I'll get, I'm going to move on. But anyway, that was like one of the highest things that you could say that was totally, you know, wrong. But, but did I fear God? We acknowledge from our hearts that he is the creator, we are creatures. We acknowledge from our hearts that he's the father, that we are his children. We acknowledge from our hearts, when the fear of the Lord really grips our hearts, that he is the master and we are his servants. It means to respect God for who he is, to listen carefully to what he says, and to obey. I'm sorry. And to obey his word, knowing that our disobedience displeases him, breaks our fellowship with him, and invites his chastening. It's not the servile fear of a slave before the master, but the reverential and respectful fear of the child before the parent. Your children, as they're growing up and they understand you and they love you and they care for you, they know that you can beat them, but they have a different kind of fear for you. It's not just the fear that you can beat them. They care about you. They care about how you feel. That is how we are supposed to fear God. It's not, it's not supposed to be a fear. When you look at the book of, of, of Exodus, the children of Israel, they were coming out of, they had come out of the land of Egypt, and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. And the Bible says that there was thunders, and there was lightning, and there was all of this noise that was taking place as God was speaking to Moses from the mountain. And the scripture says that the children of Israel were trembling at the presence of God. And then they were like, Moses, look, you go talk to God. We're not going to talk to him. And Moses said something. It, it's like a, it's, it's kind of like a contrast contradictory statement, but there's no contradiction in it. He tells them in the first part of his, his, his communication to them, don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of him. In other words, don't run from him. That's what, that, that, that's what he was saying. Don't run away from him. He said, but the fear of the Lord needs to be before you. So what? So you won't sin against him. So you won't dishonor him. So you won't disrespect him. So you won't disobey him. So you won't follow the ways of all of those nations that he's about to bring you into. Because if you don't fear him, you're going to follow after other gods. 
If you don't fear him, you're going to serve in different ways that you're not supposed to. But if you fear him in a healthy way, then you're going to live a life that's totally different, right? Amen? So, the fear of God, this is a shorter definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of God is to have reverence for God that leads to obedience to his commands. Let me say that again. The fear of the Lord is to have reverence for God that leads to obedience to his commandments. The book of Psalm 111 and verse 10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it says, and those that keep his, his commandments have a good understanding. So let me ask you a question. When you think about that scripture, is it that they have a good understanding of his commandments or is it that they have a good understanding who he is? It's not that they have a good understanding of his commandments alone. It is that they have a good understanding of who God is and they realize that disobedience to his commandments does what? It separates you from him and therefore it brings you in direct violation to his commandments. Him being a just God, a just judge, he has to punish sin. So what do we have? We have a clear understanding that he is creator. I am creation. He is much greater than I. He is the one that ultimately cast into hell. I do not control myself. He is able to do that so what do I do out of fear for him I obey his word out of fear for him I learn what pleases him and I walk that way out of fear for him I learn what honors him and I walk that way and I also learn what dishonors him I also learn what displeases him and I avoid those things at all costs here is the reason why this is so important the fear of the Lord is a state of mind in which one's attitudes will feelings deeds and goals are exchanged for God that's what that's what happens when we fear the Lord and the problem is this is that too many people claim to fear the Lord while their lives contradict that statement understand this the fear of the Lord must be holistic in our lives meaning it affects every area of our life we don't just fear God when we come to church we don't just fear God when we're around certain people we don't just fear God when we're at home we fear God in everything in every area all of our life must be gripped by the fear of the Lord or we do not fear him we can't compartmentalize our fear of the Lord it has to be something that governs every area and every part of our lives the second thing that I'll ask you to repeat after me is this is what does the fear of the Lord look like what does the fear of the Lord look like? So I gave you the definition. But when we go through the book of Proverbs, and now we'll start looking at different scriptures, Proverbs uses, Proverbs uses the statement 11 times the fear of the Lord. Four other times it says the fear of God. So there's about 11 to 15 times, and it shows us something. It shows us the benefits of living by the fear of the Lord. It shows us how we can measure our lives by these standards. And it shows us how to grow in the fear of the Lord. And those are the three things that we'll deal with in this message today the first one is that is how is it that we can measure what does it look like look at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 and listen to me I want you to ask yourself these questions that we read these as we read these scriptures I want you to think about this don't just listen idly I want you to really look in the mirror and allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart do you do these things because if these things do not mark your life you do not fear God the way the scriptures say we're supposed to fear God amen and if we're not fearing the Lord then what is God calling us to do calling us to repent calling us to turn and choose the fear of the Lord Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 it says this it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth that I hate hold your place there look at Proverbs 16 6 this will con this this is another confirmation of this scripture it says in mercy and truth atonement is provided for is provided for iniquity and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So here's the first question that you have to ask yourself if you're a person who fears the Lord. Here's the question. Do you hate and abstain from evil? Do you hate and abstain from evil? He gives us a list in chapter 8 when he goes through this, and he says there very clearly in verse 13, he says, to, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. He gives us a list of some things that are evil. He said pride, 
arrogance, the evil way, and this perverse mouth. So that's the first question that we have to ask ourselves. Do I hate evil? And if I hate evil, then I will run away from it. Think about this. Some of you as children and even as adults, you hate vegetables. <laughs> hate them. You know, you want, you know you're supposed to eat healthy and you just cannot eat vegetables. Right? Notice what I said. You hate them, you can't eat vegetables. So listen, don't, don't, don't deceive yourself. When you hate something, you don't do it. Did you hear me? When you hate evil, you don't do it. You hate food, you abstain from it. You run from it. It smells in the house, you're running. You're like, oh my goodness. You, 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 you want to vomit, right? That, that's what this means. The fear of the Lord, that's what happens to us. When you smell a food that just turns your stomach. <laughs> Some of you smell, smell stuff cooking and it just, I mean, it's just like, wait, I lost my appetite. Here is, here is, here, here is what we have to understand, church. When you hate something, you abstain from it. You don't hate something to hang out with it. You, you, don't, ha you don't hate something. Think, think about it. Look, I, I, know, I, I, know, I know all of you forgive everyone that's ever done you wrong. I, I know none of you have anything against anyone. I know that. But just think about those other people that you know like that. That they hate someone. Do they like call them and be like, yo, we're going to have a play date. Do they do that? Yo, can we get together like once a week and hang out? No. They, as a matter of fact, if they know that that person is going to be at a place where they get invited to, they find an excuse not to go. Let's be real. So the question is, do you hate evil? Do you hate wickedness? Do you hate all of those things that put Jesus on the cross? Do you? If you don't, then the fear of the Lord has not gripped your heart the way that it should. Now, I want us to look at chapter 16 for a moment. Look at chapter 16 and verse 6 because I want to point something out to you that I think is inspiring and very important for us to get. The first part of the verse, before it comes to the fear of the Lord at the end, it says this, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. Here is the fact. I said this. All of us, by nature, do not fear God. All of us, and, and, and here's the thing. Even when we come to Jesus and we have made a commitment to him, you want to know what still happens? What still happens is there are moments in our lives where we don't hate evil. There are moments in our life where we're not hating evil. We're not running away from evil. There are times in our life that God is pruning us and dealing with us, and we're going through things where we still enjoy certain sins. And that is where Jesus comes into this whole thing because atonement was made in what? In mercy and truth. And so God, who I want you to hear this, God who does not want to cast anyone into hell, God who does not want to destroy anyone, God who, takes, who does not rejoice in the death of the wicked, that God in mercy intercedes for you. And what does he do? He doesn't just pray, but he sends his son to do what? In mercy and in truth. The truth is this, is that we are all sinful, we all deserve hell we are all lawbreakers that is the truth but in mercy and truth atonement is made that's a beautiful thing atonement is made and so that way here's what happens you come to Jesus and this is the beauty of this scripture the scripture shows us exactly how salvation and sanctification take place in mercy and in truth atonement is made for iniquity and so my sin and your sin are covered by what the blood of Jesus we recognize that we are sinful. We recognize that we cannot save ourselves. We recognize that we need Jesus. We turn from our sin, put our faith in Jesus, and we begin to walk with him, right? But then it says the fear of the Lord is what does. It, it does what? It keeps us from evil. The fear of the Lord keeps us from evil. So I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in his sacrifice. I put my faith in what he's done. And then if I'm going to continue to walk in holiness, then the fear of the Lord has to grip my heart. I can't look at Jesus' sacrifice as cheap grace, as just a way for me to be forgiven every time that I drop the ball. But I should understand that his grace doesn't just forgive me, but it empowers me to live holy. It empowers me to live righteous. The second um, scripture that I'll ask you to turn to is chapter 14 and verse 2. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 2. So the first question for you, do you hate and abstain from evil? The second one is this. 
verse 2. He who walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. So second question, do you walk in uprightness? Do you walk in uprightness? Do you walk in a way? Now remember what I said about this. It's not just about hating evil. It's not just about hating what's wrong. It's about living what's right. See, when we think of Christianity, we always think about not doing that wrong, not doing this wrong, not doing that. We, we think about all of the things that we're not supposed to do. What about the things we're supposed to do? What about the things we are supposed to do? What about loving our neighbor as ourselves? That is walking in uprightness. What about for us that are married? What about loving your spouse as Christ loves the church? What about respecting your spouse and, and, as the church submits? What, what about those things? What about in our raising of our children, raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord? What about honoring our parents? That is all walking in uprightness, living, learning what it is that brings praise, glory, and honor to God, learning what it is that, it, that he requires of us not only not to do, but what does he require us to do? Do we walk in that? If we don't walk in that, then we're not walking in the fear of the Lord because the scripture says he who walks in his unrightness does what? Fears the Lord. Turn to the next chapter, I mean chapter 15, next chapter, verse 33. It says this in verse 33. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Now I want you to put a side note if you're taking notes. If not, make a mental note. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says that we are supposed to submit to one another out of the fear of Christ. And so in this scripture, here is the next question. Remember the first one we talked about those things that, are, that God hates. He doesn't like pride. He doesn't like arrogance. He doesn't like the, the wicked mouth and all of those things, right? Well, here he says this, honor comes before humility, tying this in with the fear of the Lord. And so the next question is, do you walk in humility? Do you walk in humility? Now listen, I struggle with this. But do we walk in humility? We won't walk in humility if we don't fear the Lord. You know what humbles us? Understanding who we are in the presence of God. Who we are before him. And what I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about relational after Jesus. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in comparison to him, how holy and righteous he is, how awesome and amazing he is, and how weak, unholy, unrighteous we are. When we understand that, you know what that causes us to do? It causes us to walk in humility. Humility also causes us to treat other people certain ways. It causes us to esteem others better than ourselves. It causes us to treat them with a different level of respect. Again, let me say this, it's not just among church people. It's in life in general. So the question is, do I walk in humility? Not false humility, but do I walk in humility? If not, you lack in the fear of the Lord. Turn to chapter 23 of the book of Proverbs. Look at verse 17 through 18. Twenty-three, seventeen through 18, it says this. It says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. The beginning in verse 17 says, do not let your heart envy sinners. And so, here's my next question. Do you envy sinners? Do you wish... You could be as seemingly blessed as all of those other people who don't go to church, they don't tithe and offer, hallelujah. They're just committed to themselves, and they seem to have it all. Do you envy them? Do you wish you didn't have to be all? Now, now this, this is a hard check. Because you're, you're, you're never going to say this out loud to anyone. You're never, you're never going to sit down and say, man, you know, Oh, these people over here, they, they seem more blessed than a lot of Christians. Definitely more blessed than me. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Oh, glory to God. I, I don't know what I'm not doing, but man, I should just stop doing what I'm doing and do what? And just do what they're doing because they're blessed and I might just fall into blessing too. Listen, do you envy sinners? You will only envy sinners when you get your eyes off of eternity. 
That's why he says, be zealous for the fear of the Lord, because there surely is a hereafter. See, you won't envy sinners because you'll be like, oh my goodness, because you'll start thinking about scriptures, like when Jesus gives the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Y'all remember that parable, right? You remember how the, how the rich man, he was, he, was, he was in a place that was hot, it was dry, and he was like, yo, can I, can I get some water up in here? He was like, let me go back. And, what, and, and, and he, in the bosom of Abraham, you know, Lazarus, the poor guy that didn't have everything, he's up there in the bosom of Abraham, and Abraham's like, nah, man, he said, you had your good things in this life. And, 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 and you, you had all your good stuff while you were on earth. That, you had all the good. Now, now you got to suffer. Does it mean that every wealthy person is going to suffer? No, because there's some wealthy people that love Jesus. Hello. There's some wealthy people that have put their faith in Jesus, not their riches. They're living for the life to come. But here's the, here's the question. The question is, do you envy sinners? When you see that you don't have as much as they have, does your heart, does something happen inside of you? And listen, it probably happens to all of us. But God calls us to do what? To repent, to put our fear in him, to live for the life that is hereafter, not for just this life here in this earth. Last scripture that we'll turn to for the heart check portion is chapter 24, verses 21 through 22. Chapter 24, verse 21 to 22, it says this. It says, my son, fear the Lord and the king. And do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. And so the instruction is this, is for his son to fear the Lord and the king. In other words, in those days, and, and contextually, there's a king that's over lands, there's a king that's it, that, that, that is over the, the, um, the nation, and what he's saying is, thank you, what he's saying is, he's saying, son, fear God, fear him. Reverence him. Reverence the king. Don't be associated with those given to change. What is he talking about when he's saying those associated given to change? He's talking about those who are always trying to overthrow the kings. Hello. He's talking about those that are trying to take that are trying to change not only who is in authority, but the laws that we obey. You know those other people, right? Because notice it says, fear God, fear the Lord, and the king. So, we, so, so there are also other people who what? Who, who, who they, who they want to make, they, they want to pick and choose what scriptures they're going to obey. Those are people that are given to change. They pick and choose. Oh, they're Christians on Sunday, but they do certain things that are required in the scriptures, but other things, no, nah, I don't think that applies to me. Hold on a second. He says, stay away from those people. He says, you need to fear God, fear the king. You need to reverence, you need to respect God. And so here is, the, here is the last question for you and I to check our heart. It is this, it's do you trust God's law as the highest authority? Do you trust God's law? The most important thing here is the fear of the Lord. Do you trust his law? Man is fallible, amen? Man is going to fail, man is going to change laws, things are going to happen. I mean, that, that stuff is going to happen. But God does not. God does not change. His standards do not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's what it says about Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, the question for me is, do I trust him as highest authority in my life? So the first question is, do you hate and abstain from evil? The second question is, do you walk in uprightness? Third question is, do you walk in humility? Fourth question is, do you envy sinners? Last question is, do you trust God's law as the highest authority? Here is the truth. A life that truly fears the Lord will be marked imperfectly, but it will be marked by these characteristics. If I truly fear God, if you truly fear the Lord, then you are going to hate and you're going to abstain from evil. You may fall, you're, you're going to have some sin issues in your life, and you're going to deal with those things, but in your heart of hearts, you do hate evil, you abstain from it. Your life is going to be marked by that. Your life is going to be marked by you learning what is required of you and you living it out with a heart that brings glory and honor to Jesus. When you fear the Lord, you are going to be a person who walks in humility. When you fear God, you are going to be a person who does not envy sinners. Because you know the final destination of those who don't bow their knee to Jesus is an eternity of suffering separated from the goodness and love of God. 
And if you're a person who truly fears God, you trust God's law as the highest authority. So I'm going to go through these really quickly because living in the fear of the Lord offers us some benefits. And you can write these down if you want. The first benefit that the book of Proverbs shows us is, is, is in Proverbs chapter 9, 10 through 12, and Proverbs 10, 27 through 29. And those scriptures tell us that the fear of the Lord gives us knowledge of the Holy One, and it also offers us long life. Say long life. It gives us long life. Now, I want you to understand something contextually because there was a young lady, and, and years ago, the Columbine shooting, y'all remember that? They asked the girl the question, does she believe in God? She said, yes, I do. She got shot, and she's dead. Now, did she live a long life by our standards? It's okay to say no. No. She, she, she didn't make it to her 20s. You read church history. There are men, women, there are people who didn't make it into their 30s. And yet they believe this Bible that says they walked in the fear of the Lord and they live a long life. Here's what I want you to get. Under the old covenant, when the book of Proverbs is written, this is one of the things that marked Israel. God told them, when you look, when, when you look throughout um, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, when you look throughout all of these, these scriptures there and you find the promises of God, one of the things that God said is if you fear me, you obey me, you do what I say, you're not going to have sickness, you're not going to have disease, you're not going to have enemies that are going to come in to bring destruction to your life, you're going to live long in the land. That's what he promised and he declares unto them. Now, when you bring that all that stuff through the cross, does, does any of that stuff said to us in the New Testament or does not the New Testament tell us that we are going to experience hardship? It's like we got a raw end of the deal. No, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't. We got the cross. We have Jesus. We have, this, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand this here. How does this apply then to us as New Testament Christians? I want you to understand, you and I, if we walk in the fear of the Lord, we will live long enough to accomplish the purpose God has for us. And that is a long life. And more so, we get to live eternally with God. Because of what? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So the young lady who died at 17, she lived long enough to do what? To, to challenge every Christian on planet earth and to impact lives. For all of those missionaries that died young because they were over there, ended up sick or whatever the case was, the, those things that happened to them, they lived long enough to impact lives and to do what God had called them to do. That's all we, that's all we are required to do. Amen? The next thing that you'll find in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 through 27, we find there the scripture says that in the fear of the Lord there is security. And it talks about our children having a covering. Because of what? Because of us. Because of us walking in the fear of the Lord. And so we've all heard things like generational curses, right? Can we talk about generational blessing? Because when we walk in the fear of the Lord, what happens is when I am really living in the fear of the Lord, you know what happens? My kids may not be perfect. And that's a fact because glory to God, I am not perfect. But here is the thing. My kids will know there is a God because they've seen the testimony in my life. Hallelujah. And so they will know who to turn to when things get rough. They know who to turn to. They don't turn to other things. They turn to who? Jesus. Because what? Because they saw a parent who feared God, who walked in the fear of the Lord. When my child comes to me with a question or a, or a situation, I'm going to do what? I'm not going to point them to pop psychology. I'm going to point them to Jesus. I'm going to point them to the scriptures. Because what? Because I truly fear the Lord. That is where the test comes when it comes to us for parents and the security that our children are going to have as a benefit because we walked in the fear of the Lord. It really results in them knowing where to turn. If they don't know where to turn it's because you weren't turning to Jesus it's because you and I were not pointing them in that direction the third thing that, I, that, that, that the scriptures show us and or, or, the, or the last thing that I'll say here is it gives us in, in Proverbs 19 um, verse 23 and Proverbs 22 and verse 4 the Bible says there that it, it gives us examples that we will have life long life like we talked about already it talks about riches and it talks about honor now does that mean every Christian on the planet is going to be rich Yes? No? I don't know? Listen, I gave a definition of what it means to be rich, right? A long time ago. I said, the richest person on the planet is not the one who has the most money. It's the one who owes the least. And so if Christians walk in the fear of the Lord, guess what? You're going to obey the scriptures, and you are going to be a person who is going to be living your life to get to the point where you owe the least. Amen? 
And so if we obey the principles that are in the scriptures, we may not be filthy rich in this world's goods. Hello? But we will be rich in kingdom goods. Hallelujah. We will also have the true riches that matter, which is what? The things that God offers us as true life. The key here, understand all of this, is that we live in the fear of the Lord, not because of the things we get, but because we get to please him by living in the fear of the Lord. That's why we do that. Not because we get every single thing we want, not because we have every single thing that we ask for, but because the most important thing in our hearts is what? Is to please him. The third thing, and I will close with this, say this with me. What can I do to grow in the fear of the Lord? I said this earlier, and I'm going to give you some scripture to support this. Turn, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Romans. I want to give you some Bible so you can see this very clearly. The book of Romans chapter 3. book of Romans chapter 3 we're going to look at verse 10 we will start reading there and you should be familiar with some of this if not all of it when you got it say so it says as it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none who understands there is none who seeks after God they have all turned aside they have together become unprofitable there is none who does good no not one their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have pr practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This scripture here shows us what I said earlier. By nature, none of us fear God. If you were honest with yourself, the same way that I was when I sat down and I looked at these scriptures, I realized that I fall short at the fear of the Lord. There's no question about that. I don't stand up here as one who's arrived and checked and had, had, had the little checklist and was like, check, I hate evil all the time. Check, I always walk in humility. Check, I always do the right thing. Check, I, you know, I, I, I sometimes don't envy. I, I couldn't check all of those things off in my list and act like I was perfect. Because by nature, I don't fear him. So that means that all of us have to ask this question. How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? Turn back to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at three scriptures there to see what the book of Proverbs, how it helps us to know how we grow in the fear of the Lord. The book of Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 29 is going to be the first place that we turn to. We grow in the fear of the Lord. Verse 29, when you got it, say so. It says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose, say did not choose, the fear of the Lord. The first thing that we have to acknowledge is this. I don't fear him all the time. Maybe I don't fear him at all because everybody in here is in a different place, right? Maybe I don't fear God. Maybe I don't have a fear for him. And I hope that by the end of this that you do. But here is the thing. The book of Proverbs says, as wisdom is speaking about foolish people, it says they chose not. Listen, if you can choose not, you can choose for. If you can reject, right, you can choose. You can say, hold on a second. They chose not. They said, nope, I don't want the wisdom of God. No, I don't want, I, I don't want to hear those things. Well, you can also say, wait a second, I need to hear those things. And you and I cannot change our hearts, so don't get it twisted. I cannot change my heart. You cannot change your heart. God alone can change your heart. But he waits on your response. And when you acknowledge that I have not feared him as I should, when you acknowledge that I have not looked to see what he desires of me, when you acknowledge that, that's your first step in saying, and I want that, that's you choosing the fear of the Lord. 
So the first thing is, you want to grow in the fear of the Lord? You must choose the fear of the Lord. Look at chapter 2. You're right there already in verse 1. It says this to verse 5. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out. Say cry out. For discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to choose the fear of the Lord. We have to say, I don't fear you, God, but I want to fear you the way that I should. I want to respect you. I want to honor you. I want my life to be governed by your wisdom. You, you, you recognize that. And then the second thing that this scripture tells us is that we must humbly seek after God and his wisdom. That we must cry out and say, God, I want your wisdom. I don't want to continue to live the way that I live. I don't want to continue to live according to my standards and my thoughts. I don't want to continue to lean on my own understanding, but I want to really have the fear of the Lord grip my heart. Then you seek him diligently. See, this goes hand in hand with choosing because you can say, I choose the fear of the Lord all day long, but if you're not going after him, you don't really want the fear of the Lord. If you're not turning away from things to run after him, you don't really want him. That's the bottom line. Listen, I know that you don't want to hear that. I know that you want to think that it's okay just to make a confession. It is not okay to just make a confession. The book of Hebrews tells you that you need to live a life that what? That confirms your confession. Because we got a plenty of people that are confessing all kind of stuff, but are they really running after him? Is their confession leading to conviction and turning away from sin? And the last place in the book of Proverbs that we'll turn to is Proverbs 15 and verse 16. And you got to say so? It says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. The first thing that we have to do if we want to grow in the fear of the Lord is we have to choose the fear of the Lord. The second thing that we have to do is we need to cry out for wisdom, run after the wisdom of God. And the third thing is this, is that we need to be content with what God provides. We need to be content with his provision in our lives because if we're not content with his provision in our lives, then we're not trusting him. And we will run after other things that we don't need to be running after. Now listen, we've, 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 we've hopefully checked out our hearts, right? Turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's the next book over. You don't have to go far. Turn to the last chapter, chapter 12, because I want you to hear this. Because God lovingly, lovingly calls us to fear him. Why does he want us to fear him? And, 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 and please hear me. I'm using biblical terminology. I'm not trying to water this down or change what the scriptures say. We need to have a fear for God. Not a fear that we run from him, but a fear that we will run to him because we know that running away from him will ultimately lead us to what? Being separated from him for all of eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, look at verse 13. After all the writings of wisdom that Solomon does, he says this, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, all this wisdom is summed up in this statement here. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. But he goes on to say this, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's, that, that, that's to me, that's, that's a little nerve-wracking, a little scary. Because I know how to put my best foot forward and let you not see some of the ugly in me, but guess what? I can't hide that from him. Fear God. The conclusion of the matter. Fear him. Keep his commandments. You can't keep his commandments if you don't know what he commands. I'm going to just feel commandments. No, you don't. Well, I'm, I, you know, I feel peace doing that. It doesn't, I don't care what you feel. Fear him. But let me bring you to even more, a more scary scripture. I'm about, we're about to turn to the most scary scripture in the entire Bible. At least in my opinion. You can tell me if you think so after we read it together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. We'll start in verse 30. 
You got to say so. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's the scariest scripture for me. It is a fearful thing. Now listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, you want to be in the hands of a living God. If you're walking in the fear of the Lord, you want to be in the hands of, a, of, of, of the living God. But if you have not, you do not. You do not want to be in the hands of a living God like that. Last scripture we'll turn to. Confirming what this is saying here. Hebrews 12 and 28. Two chapters over. 28 and 29. This is the encouragement. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Listen, I'm going to make this real plain. Every one of us is going to meet God face to face. And it will either be with his welcome or with his wrath. Either way, everyone is going to meet him. Everyone is going to encounter God face to face. Some of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Others of us, part from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Here is what I want you to get. In the beginning of that verse, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, listen, everyone who is hearing my voice today, you know what God wants to do? He wants you to meet him at his welcome. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anyone to meet him with his wrath. He doesn't want that for anyone. The question is, how will you respond? Will you respond with a heart that is repentant and broken, or will you respond with indifference? Stand to your feet and bow your heads, please. Hallelujah.